lines in the sand are being drawn. Man against man. Man against God. The final act is about to come into play as revolutionaries side with the devil in the hopes of staying out of his path. In the end, there will be only one victor, and he has already won. Whose side are you on? It's time to awaken the spirit within. Unleash him to his full potential. We will show you how. And then you could just see panic setting in with the people who are around you, where they're looking around, recognizing that all this is, and hearing this explosion. Everything in my sight is completely gone. It reminds me when I drove through Joplin, Missouri to go see my parents, where the heart of that F5 gets. This is exactly what I'm looking at right now. So far, no explanation of what happened here, but it really got the attention of a lot of people, even as far away as Ben Salem, reporting that they felt that their homes were shaking. Police radio have received a lot of Calls. The police have received calls. Waking the Fury. We've got coronavirus, we've got protests, we've got um, an anti-police sentiment, people are against law and order, they're for socialism even though that really ends up in more law and order. We've got a complete and total breakdown of society. And one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, people wrongfully think that it's only happening in America, and it's not. Um, If you peruse the news, and I didn't mean to rhyme that, um, for other countries, Germany, Europe, you'll find that um, the same thing's happening there, but with different groups. And the bottom line is is that we've reached a point of de-evolution. We're, we're in a unique situation in which people are like, I don't need God, I got this. And the evidence is overwhelming that that's just not the case. And I've been watching all this and I've been thinking to myself, geez, you know, this is bad. I mean, we've had bad before, but this is worse. It's the worst I've seen in my lifetime. And... It's mind-boggling, but it's also the beginning of the end. A lot of people have said this in the past, and I'll acknowledge that. Um, The end is here. Uh, We've had a lot of doomsday criers saying, this is it. Uh, It's over. This is the end of the world. But I think this is the first time in history we can reasonably say it's the end of the world. It's not just societal breakdown. 
Um, it's environmental changes. It's things going on with the Hadron Super Collider. Uh, the fine folks that run that have decided that it would be interesting to try to rip a hole in the space-time continuum and open up a portal to another dimension. Sounds like science fiction stuff. Sounds like something you'd hear as a plot line on Star Trek. But in fact, it's real. It's reality. These are all ingredients for a recipe of disaster of amazing proportions. Here in America, we're at the beginning of a civil war. And it won't end well. There's going to be no winners. Um, this week there was video that came out showing militia finally dispatching themselves to fight the Antifa movement. Antifa, uh, as you know, is anti-fascist. But they're not because if you know history at all, you'll know everything that they're doing the tearing down of statues, the autonomous zones, these are all almost play-by-play -play something the Nazis would have done. And it's absolutely phenomenal to watch it happen and either the people are ignorant to the fact that they're doing it or they know they're doing it, which is worse, and they're like, this guy was brilliant. He, <clears throat> he just didn't go far enough. He could have... He could have achieved what he was trying to achieve. Now, the difference here is that the uh, black community is being utilized as the mechanism and we're now marginalizing Caucasians. Now, regardless of which group is being marginalized, history has shown us that when any group starts to do that, two things. One, it's motivated completely by hate. And two... It's going to end in massive bloodshed and lots of, uh, and lots of graves, mass graves. It will not be a positive. We have to assess from this situation that either that's what they want or they're ignorant to it. I honestly don't have an answer for that. I don't know if uh, it's what they want or if they think that, well... This has never been tried before. Part of me wants to believe that they know what they're doing, but they're pretending they're not. Because one of the things that Nazi Germany brought us was accuse the other side of that which you are guilty. And that's what you're seeing in massive amounts. Accusing everybody else of all these, these hate crimes and horrific things. And meanwhile, you're the biggest perpetrator. And it's so convenient that we just have to take it on the chin. We just have to sit here and put up with it because if we don't, we're hateful as well. I mean, can you imagine how corrupt this country has become that we've basically hogtied ourselves from any kind of intelligent discussion while masking opposing opinion as being the actual hate when we ourselves are so full of hate that we hate everybody that isn't us. Jesus told us that this was going to happen. Second uh, Timothy is loaded with examples of how this is what mankind turns into. Yep, atheists, just another big coincidence that people inking a document 
nearly 2,000 years ago just happened to predict exactly what is happening right now. And before anybody starts with the counter-argument, well, no, this, this has happened before. No, it hasn't. Not on this level. This is different. Okay? Um, and it's going to continue to get worse because people don't know God. It's that simple. When you remove the moral compass, the perfect moral compass, you have nowhere to go but down. And this is going to turn into a case of, be careful what you ask for. The first thing you need to know about me is I do not believe in politics. I think politicians are completely corrupt straight to the bone, the majority of them. Um, that's not to say there aren't, aren't some examples, but there, that herd is being thinned even as we speak. We're, we're not seeing as many. I mean, look at the choices. Look at the choices. The choices that, that, that are presented to us in each election are terrible. And you conservative Christians need to drop the conservative bullcrap. Just like the emergent church needs to stop pretending that it's actually Christian. There may be some Christians within the emergent church, but the ideology and philosophy of the emergent church is completely bogus. There are actually um, people out there right now trying to, from the emergent background, trying to preach the message that just we just get rid of these doggone baby boomers and probably Gen Xers will finally reach utopia. Well, no, you won't. These are Christians saying this. Haven't you read your Bible? The only way you reach utopia is if Christ comes back. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. We're not going to reach it by human means ever because we're human and a large chunk of us have removed that eternal moral compass from, from the mix and we have no use for them. And that's, and that's not going to lead to utopia. That's going to get worse and worse. The end times will be like the days of Noah. Well, what was going on in the days of Noah? <clears throat> Godless people everywhere? You think that leads to utopia? That doesn't lead to utopia. That leads to disaster. Conservative Christians, back to you. Put down your flags. Put them down. Um, they're not... Your politics have failed. And you are putting your hope in a cloth that, yes, admittedly, once stood for something, once represented a lot of Christian values... But this country has largely turned its back on it. Nobody can be reasoned with. You can't have a civilized conversation. I've watched pastors get screamed at. There's not even a respect for ministers anymore by people who are non-believers. There used to be some kind of a respect. Well, you know, he does a lot for the community. Now it's just like, shut up, you idiot. I mean, they're not even trying to mask their hatred anymore. There's no pleasantries. There's no, let's be professional about this. It's just... Let's, let's just let these guys know that we're on to their crap. And the thing is, is that that's not accurate. You're the ones turning the world upside down. You're the ones that told God to get lost. You're the ones ushering hatred between races. 
we cannot, and, and, you know, we cannot do this without Jesus. We cannot. Now, I'm going to call Christian churches to do something that you're not going to want to do. Because I've had this conversation with many um, church leaders, not necessarily pastors, but elders and so forth. And it's always been dismissed. But I'm going to say it here now because I want it on record because it has to be said. It has to be said now. It has to be said um, with an earshot of everybody. You need a plan B or a contingency plan. They're the same thing. But I wanted to, I wanted to specify what it is I mean. Your contingency plan... What is it? Am I talking about storing canned goods? Am I talking about disaster planning, buying a generator, building a bomb shelter? I'm not talking about any of that. Um, And the reason this comes up is because there is increased intelligence chatter that China may very well set off an electromagnetic pulse and send us back to about 1830. Which would be a huge blessing, by the way, for the church, because that would be our time to shine. Because all these people with these, these fake platitudes about we don't need God, God, you know, the, the, the Bible is nothing but a book of uh, fairy tales and ooh, the flying spaghetti monster. I've heard all the insults. At this point, none of them are original. And they're not even, they're not even accurate. They're just ignorant statements to make. So when something like that happens, a lot of those people are going to backpedal and backtrack. Because suddenly it's going to become real. You could die. You could die. And when people have to face their mortality, their song changes more often than not. So when I say that there needs to be a contingency plan, I'm actually specifying, let's say uh, China sets off an EMP. You've got members in your church, their spouse passed away. They have no living family, whatever it is. They're one time a week to actually connect and fellowship with other people is Sunday. You take that away from them, they are not going to make it. Now, honestly, churches should have small groups to begin with. Churches should have small groups, but some, this is kind of a hole. Maybe their membership isn't big enough. Maybe they're not quite sure if they can organize it. I, I really don't know. But some churches, this is a hole. Without small groups, and and small groups should even have a contingency plan. Listen, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. We're going to meet up here. We're going to do this. We're going to do safety and wellness checks. Churches, by and large, do not have a safety wellness check at all. They have nothing in place. And that's what I'm talking about, a plan B. You cannot let your people fall through the cracks in the event of a national disaster. I'm not talking about a tornado touched down in town and wiped out half the town. That would be a cakewalk to what I'm talking about. And we are end times Christians. We have to make these plans. We cannot ignore them. We can't just say, well, God will take care of it. Because, yeah, God will take care of his own. But he wants us. He always uses us as a mechanism. And if we drop the ball, how serious are we? One of the big problems with Western Christianity is we're so busy with stuff. How can we busy, be busy with stuff? What is it that we're doing? Well, we're involved in everything. Well, we've got uh, Tuesday uh, rehearsal. We've got Thursday choir practice. And then I've got my crafting group on Fridays. 
I mean, we get so busy that we don't have time for each other. We don't have time for fellowship outside of church. And, and then even the small groups can create a problem like this. Hey, you know, uh, Bill, I want to meet up with you this week. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm busy until August. Dude, it's July. I got I to gotta go to this event. We're overscheduled. We don't have time for each other. We have time for gatherings and events and barbecues and sporting events and clubs and all this stuff. But we don't have time for each other. And it's created a hole. And so people aren't connecting. Men especially. Oh my gosh. Men are the loneliest people in the church because we have been fed a line of bullcrap that we can't have fellowship and, and, and relationships with other men because of the weird bigoted society we live in. And I'm not even talking about intolerance of homosexuality. Forget that. But that agape love in and itself cannot exist because, well, let's face it, if, if, if you have, you know, caring feelings for another male, then, hey, you're a little gay and that's all right. But that's not at all biblical. And so men, in an attempt to not seem like they might be a little gay or bisexual or whatever, completely cut themselves off. I don't know if they do it because they feel like they've got to remain in a healthy relationship with God and this is the way they got to do it, is to alienate themselves, or whatever it is. But I see it, and and I hear it, and I feel like, man, this is disastrous. There's a book I'm going to recommend called Why Men Hate Going to Church. Read that. If your church looks like a friggin' florist, that's one of the big reasons men don't like going to church. Church's contingency plan, make one. I'm not talking about round everybody up and we're going to bring them to the church. We're all going to live at the church. If you want to do that, hey, that's great. Fine. You go with your bad self. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about disaster just hit. China set off an EMP. Let's dispatch and do a wellness check on everybody, even if we have to do it on foot. This is vital. I'm tired of having this conversation and being blown off like, <laughs> God's got this. Well, that's Christianese to me. That's Christianese. That's like when, uh, unfortunately, my mother passed away last night, and you've got a Christian standing there, you know, nodding, and then they go, well, praise the Lord. Don't speak Christianese to me. Tell me you're a warrior. Tell me you're going to stand up and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to fight. Forget the church building. Focus on the community first. Get people together. This is what God wants from us. He wants us not to just, just to be there on Sunday morning so that we can all make each other feel good and pray for each other. That's great. And I'm for that. And I love that part of church. But what happens when you can't go to church on Sunday morning? What happens when you don't hear from old man Ray? Well, we better go check out what he... And and you know what? We're going to have to take bikes because nothing else works. That's what you do. But this is vital. And I haven't been able to... I haven't been able to... Communicate this. And I think people get the idea that I'm talking about building bomb shelters. And I'm not. I'm talking about community coming together and acting like the apostles in the book of Acts. Because that's where our faith is going. That's where it's going. Like it or not, that's where we end up. And you're either going to make the plan to transition towards that and make sure that nobody falls through the cracks, or you're not. And i got to be honest with you, the second one isn't an option. 
I'm all for trusting God. But I've actually spoke to a, a man of God, and he and I, I spoke this to him, and I said, "Am I nuts? I mean, I've been trying to I, I've been trying to spread this, and this guy's a prophet, a legitimate prophet. I'm not talking about a prophet that tells you you're going to come into money. I'm talking about a prophet that brings you the bad news and you hate him. To me, that's how you really identify a real prophet. Is he just fluffing my feathers, or is he telling me, "Hey, bad stuff's coming," and then he's right. That's a prophet. And I said, I have been talking with church leaders and pastors and ministers for 15 years about this. And I'm constantly told either I'm out of my mind or God's got this. And everything I just told you here on this podcast, I said, I I told him that same thing. I told uh, Tom, that's his name, all of this. And I said, am I wrong? Now, this is very important because Tom is, uh, he's got a sense of humor. He says, I need you to sit down. I said, oh, okay. So I sit down. He says, are you sitting? Yes. You're absolutely right. And I don't think they're going to do it. Wow. But I would be amiss if I did not come here right now and tell you anyway that I really strongly feel in the spirit that this absolutely must happen. Remember, I'm not talking about bomb shelters. I'm not talking about hoarding food. I'm not talking about stocking up on toilet paper. All right, God says he'll take care of stuff like that. His eye is on the sparrow. But churches, we're servants. We're acolytes. The definition of an acolyte is a servant. One of the ways we need to serve is not letting people fall through the cracks. Now you might be looking at me like, well, where's your degree? Where's, uh, you know, where's your certification that says that you have the authority to say this? Uh, I believe it was in the Gospels where Jesus commended me to go out and spread the gospel and whatnot. And then the disciples made it pretty clear that we're supposed to take care of each other. So that's all the certification I need. It's all I need. It's on my heart. I feel passionate about it. Let's get to work. That's all I got for today. God go with you. Um, Prayer request. Please uh, lift up my uh, new acquaintance, Ed. Eddie is actually what he's named. Eddie is um, one of the few surviving World War II veterans. He lost his wife in January. I met him at a Golden Corral today and I prayed with him. I prayed over him, and his heart is broken. Watching this country and everything that's going on, it's, he feels like everything he did in World War II was just a complete waste. Just watching it systematically destroyed by people who are arrogant and angry and godless. But he was saved, but he needs peace. He lost his wife. She died in the restaurant. I shouldn't say she died in the restaurant. She collapsed in the restaurant they did CPR on her, but she was so frail that they broke her um, center bone and she was later declared dead at the hospital. But to show you the difference between somebody from the greatest generation and today, he made himself get up, put on his clothes and go back to that restaurant that he came to every day with his wife and face his pain. Man, we need to regain that. We won't. 
But that, he's 94 years old, and he still has, he still has his big boy pants. Some of us never even graduated to big boy pants. We're still in diapers. It's sad. But please pray for Eddie. He needs peace. He's brokenhearted. He's sad. I'm fairly certain he wants to go home at this point. And I and who can blame him? He's very... He, and I want to say, he's lonely without his wife, but that community has surrounded him, and this is so good to see. Um, the waitress that we talked to, Robin, she said, you know, we call him all the time. We check on him. Um, and there's just such love for this gentleman. And I was so heartened to see that. And I just really feel like God said, go talk to him, go pray for him. And it was divine appointment. I went there to have some all you can eat buffet. And I really didn't eat that much to be honest, folks. After I prayed over him, I already felt full. And I know that sounds so cliche and I hate Christianese, but that's, that's the God's honest truth. So please pray for Eddie. Keep him in your prayers until next time. Stay furious.